Let's turn together to John chapter 14. John 14. And that, uh, that song right there is such a good uh, an- song of anticipation and confidence for us. Um, I know there's a lot of weddings happening right now. And uh, to, so to sing a song that points toward uh, what the Bible describes as a, a, a wedding to come for us as Christians, for Christ to come for us, His bride, uh, is pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, thanks, Sarah, and the rest of the guys for bringing us there. Um, we'll be in John 15, just a little bit. And um, Jesse, can you take this mic out of that wedge right there? Thank you. You probably can't hear, but it's freaking me out. Okay. Um, in John 15, we have another... Uh, another old friend of a text that we're going to look at in a few minutes. Last Sunday, we were in Luke 9, looking at Luke 9.23, and that's another old friend of ours. And we're kind of circling back to a series that I did several years ago and just kind of reviving it, and it seems to be timely again in some ways, and I just felt God leading, leading me to that. And so we began last Sunday talk, looking at, at how... The fact that we, in, we as Americans are trained consumers, how that impacts our discipleship and our following after Christ. Uh, we're, we're conditioned in some pretty specific ways, and we uh, have all grown up in this era of time where since World War II, there's really been this push into um, materialism and buying things and having to buy the next best thing and those you know all that kind of stuff that that really has emerged and it's become such a um, it's just such a way that we naturally think that uh, it's very subtle you know so we don't really don't know a world apart from constantly being told that our lives uh, are incomplete without this particular product you know or the newest product or something like that. And, and it really, the psychological impact is, is very interesting in, in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, we're, we're trained to look for and to um, maybe to expect or demand the lowest possible cost for the things that we're buying. And that's, you know, that's the appeal for advertisers to us and, and that kind of stuff. And so we work hard to try and, and get the best bargain that we can, the best price for things. And um, certainly there's a part of that that's just us trying to be good stewards of the money that God has entrusted to us. But it also kind of creates this mindset where, where we, have, uh, we have all these different ways that we can get the cost down on things. And, but yet we still want this really high yield. You know, we still want great, a great product and great customer service and all those kinds of things. So we work hard to get the cost down, but we want the quality to stay really high. And um, as I said last week, it's, it's perfectly fine if you're going to try and buy a toaster that you find a really good toaster that will toast the bread because we need it toasted, right? It'll do a good job of toasting the bread and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's fine to shop that around and those kinds of things. But when that mindset, this low-cost, high-return mindset, impacts our relationships with each other, that becomes really problematic. You know, when we want... Really deep friendships, but we don't, we don't want to do the work part of it. You know, we don't want it to cost us time or vulnerability, you know, that kind of stuff. That We want marriages that are an accurate reflection of Christ in the church, but yet sometimes that's so costly to us that, 
that we, you know, maybe we aren't totally sure. And so we, we work sometimes hard in ways we aren't even aware of to get the cost down for that. And uh, when that impacts marriage and relationships, that's, that's tra- I mean, that's beyond tragic. But when it even impacts our following of Christ, that's, I mean, that's the biggest problem that we can have. That when Jesus comes to us and says, if anyone wants to follow after me, you just have to deny yourself um, and take up your cross every day, which just means obedience to whatever God calls you to that day, and then just follow after him to imitate him and learn to be like him from him. Um, from a human perspective, that seems like a really high cost. Because from a human perspective, to deny ourselves is like the biggest uh, violation of our liberty. You know, that we're told all the time that you're the boss, you're the boss. Look out for number one, it's all about you. And then Jesus comes and says, yeah, you've got to just say no to everything that's self-driven about you. Um, and then just be obedient every day to whatever God calls you to. And just learn to imitate me, and then, you know, that's what it's about. So from a human perspective, that seems like a really high cost. From a heavenly perspective, it's a very low cost. Because we get him forever. You know, I mean, it's like, come on. All you have to do is, for this temporary life on earth, not make everything about you. And then you get to live forever with Jesus, free from sin and free from all the like, busted brokenness of the world. That's all you have to do. And so, if we're talking about however many years we live on this earth, that's a very low price to pay. And so when we lose sight of that whole story, and we just get our, we like bury our heads in today, getting through the grind of life and getting through the, today, the to-do list, that kind of stuff, things get out of whack. So God says, has his people gathering together steadily as a rhythm of life so that we don't bury our heads and lose sight of those things. He's given us a Bible so that every day we are reminded of what's true. He's connected us to him in prayer so that we never have to forget that. You know, we never lose sight of that. We we're free from sin so that we can be tied to him uh, relationally so that we never, we never get lost in the grind of those things. He's given us these disciplines. He's given us all these things so that the consumerist mindset that we as Americans have grown up with would not be something that ends up just being shackles on us again. Um, and yet, it's just kind of a battle, you know. So that was kind of last week. Today, uh, I want to kind of continue some of those things. And, and thinking about how consumerism has impacted us, you know, one of the things that really stands out to me is how um, the, whenever we're trying to get the, the cost down of following Christ by compromising or refusing to, uh, to pray, refusing to confess, refusing to walk in openness with each other and with God and all those kinds of things, we're essentially telling God that we know better than he does. We're saying, I, I mean, I know you like created everything perfectly. And you, you know, you're holy and your steadfast love is better than life. You know, I, I know all those things. However, uh, I think I kind of know better than you in this. And that, that is, that, the point of origin for that is the fact that we were born with this leaning toward ourselves, thinking that we're pretty awesome about everything. And so, you know, the Bible describes that as, as our flesh, that we're born into this, into this sense of, of uh, self-righteousness and self-driven everything and self-reliance and just leaning toward me being the center of the world. 
Jesus comes, and when we trust him as Lord and Savior, he frees us from that bondage um, and ties us to himself. But, but we, for this life, we have this, this tension that we're living in between that, our old, the self we're born with, which leans toward it all being about me, and this new identity that's all about him. And those two things are like kind of they're linked together, and there's tension kind of pulling back and forth. And so following after him, by denying ourselves, taking up our cross every day, following after him, we're learning for that tension to not just keep going back and forth, but it, for it, it to just steadily more and more and more lean toward him. And we're letting go of that old life where we're the number one thing. So the point of origin for us thinking we know better than him, that goes all the way back to how we were born. Um, however, being Americans and the... Uh, Consumerism that we're surrounded by, it's constantly feeding this, like, you are the most important thing in the world kind of mindset to us. Um, the, in, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about the flesh, that flesh being crucified, but it's not dead. And so it has this mortal wound where it's like it's, it's slowly bleeding out. However, you just kind of watch TV for a while or you drive to work and you're listening to the radio or you're just all the things, the ads on the internet as we're surfing around and there's so much stuff that's there that's kind of like feeding that flesh and not letting it bleed out completely. We're kind of, I always talk about like we're feeding it little, little cliff bars, you know, every now and then. Like, Come on, you can do it. This has everything you need, you know. Uh, and this one little uh, peanut butter drop of goodness, you know. Um, if you've ever had a peanut butter cliff bar, they're amazing. So, um, but your life is complete without it. So don't, yeah, don't get a mixed message there. Anyway, so cliff bars, uh, sometimes whenever, like we just live in this mindset that, that's whispering that, it's feeding that flesh. And one of the things it's feeding is that, that thing that we are the most important, that we know better, better than him. And one of the things that does that so much is how companies cater to us as the buyer, and it's all about this, this idea that, like, your satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back, you know. If you don't like it, you send it back to us. You bring it back to us. No questions asked. Uh, the customer is always right. And so if you bring it back and you tell us it doesn't work, then we, we believe you, you know. And this is where Walmart had really got us figured out several years ago. They're like, you don't even have to have a receipt. You don't even have to prove you bought it at a Walmart. We'll take it, you know. Uh, and then so you go in and you bring something back, and the person there, you know, they don't give a rip why you're bringing that back. They don't care. Their feelings aren't going to get hurt. Like, what do you mean it didn't toast the bread right? I mean, I, I could have swore I put it together correctly, you know. They don't care. They're like, all right, here you go. You want that in the gift card or cash or what you want, you know. They don't really, it doesn't matter. Because the customer is king in a consumer-driven economy, and I was talking with someone last week who was, was pointing out that, that this one particular economist talks about how the United States is, like the reason why we're the superpower is not because we produce all this stuff or we have all the money. It's because we buy everything. The entire world is catering to us as Americans because we're dumb and we just keep buying and keep buying. And even when our economy is in like really, really tough situations, we're still going to the movies. You know, we're still buying clothes and we're buying expensive shoes and we're buying all this stuff. 
Uh, it doesn't slow us down. And so, because we are the global client, everyone caters to us. And that's what makes us king. And that is the same kind of mindset that we grow up in, which is basically thinking, if I'm not completely satisfied, I get to bring this back. That you have to, you have to meet my needs. And, and here's, a, like, I this was not too long ago, but I was at a restaurant, and I, was, I looked, and they said, like, it said on the bottom, like, no substitutions, you know? And I was like, no substitutions? That's interesting, and so I was at a table with people, and someone said, hey, can I swap out this for this? And the waiter was like, sorry, no substitutions. And it was so offensive. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to buy your food and tip you, and you're going to tell me there's no substitutions. And you know why that was so strange to me? Because it's been so long since I got a message that was anything other than, you can have it your way. However you want it, it's all about you, it's all about you, it's all about you. And so if we think that, that living that, in that kind of world doesn't impact our relationships with each other and our relationship with the Lord, then we are so clueless. And I think possibly that maybe that's one reason why God's maybe kind of bringing us back around to some of these ideas to be challenged um, in this kind of way. Let's look at John 15. Starting in verse 1. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's, uh, Amy, if you would, let's just leave verse 5 up there for a little bit. It's so easy to dismiss this passage just because it's something we've visited over and over again in the last 10 years. And I hope that you don't because it's so, it's so rich. Um... Let's, let's be really slow to ever say that we don't need what this passage is telling us. And there are a lot of sermons that can be preached and a lot of books written from this and a lot of points to be made. Let me just make, make a general point from this passage. Um, when Jesus is talking about a vine and the branches, he's obviously using this agricultural metaphor to convey something to people who live in, a, in an environment where that is really, really common. And so he's talking to people who know, they know exactly what a vine is, they know what a branch is, they know what the fruit is, they understand pruning, they understand cutting away branches that don't bear fruit, they understand all this kind of stuff, because the point of a vine is to produce a grape. That's the point of the vine. And if a vine is not producing grapes, then you do whatever you need to do in order to get the vine to produce grapes. That is the point of a vine. You don't have someone who's just like, come see my, you know, all the, the vines that I have. Aren't they beautiful? And someone's like, where are the grapes? Like, oh, that's not important. Look at, look at the leaves, you know. Look at, just look how, how pretty they are. It's like, yeah, but we're not into pretty. Vines are not meant to be pretty. They're meant to produce grapes, which then can be used for all these other things at this time. 
And so a part of what Jesus is saying is that the point of life is to produce fruit. When we are consumers only, we lose sight of this. The progression is very clear. Look at verse 5 again. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So there's this progression. He is the vine, or, or you can think like the trunk, like the main part that goes down into the ground. Uh, he's the trunk, he's the vine, you're the branch coming off of that, and then there's the fruit. That it goes from him to you, and then there's the fruit. That this is, is the point of how you and I were made. We weren't made to, um, to just consume, we were meant to produce. And so what's the fruit that he's talking about? Like, there's no like, secret, like, in, the, in Greek it means you know, this. It's like, no, it means fruit. It means exactly what it means. So what is he even talking about? What's the, what's the point of this? Well, he's not specific, but let's just let's think like a bunch of farmers that he's talking to. A grapevine produces grapes, and orange tree produces orange oranges. What does a Jesus tree produce? Jesus. That the fruit that is produced from our lives is it's him. That's the point. And don't, let's not dismiss that just because we've heard it before. Let's think about that for a second. That the fruit that is being displayed, the thing that is being produced in us, the thing that is starting off very, you know, very small, very minute, and then growing and growing and growing, and then being very obvious, is Christ-likeness. In Galatians 5, you don't need to turn to it, Paul confirms this idea. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's, isn't that how we describe God? Loving, joyful, peace, patient, kind, gentle. That's the fruit that's being produced. And so for you and I, you look at this verse in John 15, in this passage, Jesus is saying the point of your life is fruitfulness. From me, this is possible. Apart from me, this is not possible. I think he's getting at something really deep. I don't think he walked by and just was like, oh, there's a, oh look, there's some, there's some grapes. Let me make this brilliant analogy here. And he's like, I think he's really pointing to something. He's trying to help us understand something that we can't understand just like in its entirety, because it's so huge, and it's so deep, and we just, like, we're, we're dumb, you know, we're just not, we cannot wrap our minds around it, so he's like, let me, let me use this thing that you can understand, and then let me just, like, dive it into, like, just the miles and miles and miles and miles deep in your heart, that just like that, that group of grapes over there, the grapes that are hanging off the end of that branch, they're coming out of the branch, they're coming from the vine, That branch didn't produce those grapes. The vine produced the grapes through the branch. Without the vine, the branch could not do that. And you're the same way. 
the branch is not there just to sit there and soak up the water and the nutrients and all the stuff so that it can be this really beautiful branch. In the first couple of verses, that's what he's talking about. He's like, if a vine doesn't produce the grapes, then the fa- the, the, my father's a vine dresser. He starts pruning it. He starts cutting it back. Because the point is production, not just consumption. And so if you have a branch that is consuming but not producing, the vine dresser goes to that and says, we're going to do something about this. Now, a lot of times what, what I prefer to do is like to sit here and let's just really churn over in this text for a little bit. But I'm just going to go the really simple route and say, what, is, what does that mean for us? The fact that we are called to produce. Let me back up. Consumers are, are only concerned with a particular set of questions. That living in, like having like the flesh that we're battling you know, against the spirit and a world that feeds that all the time. It's very easy to be like one of those branches that's trying to soak up everything it can get, but there's no production happening. That's really just about what can we get, what can we get. So when it comes to buying stuff, you know, we have, we have certain questions that we, we kind of rotate through. You know, we're, if you're, you're going to buy, I keep saying toaster, I don't know why I'm hung up on toast, but uh, let's go toaster. If you're buying a toaster, one thing you want to know is like, is this, does it toast? Does it toast the bread? And can I control its various settings, you know, depending on how much burn I want it to happen, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, not only does it do what it's supposed to do, does it work like I think it should, you know? In my opinion, as an expert toaster, is it doing the, what it needs to do in the way that it should? Is, is it worth what I paid for for this? Am I, am I happy with it? I'm like, yeah, that's my toaster. Yeah. My toaster. And then there's kind of this other one that's real subtle, and we don't usually verbalize this one, but... It's like, how does, how does owning that thing make me feel about myself? Now, maybe that's silly with a toaster. Like, I don't think many of us are like, you know what I think I'm awesome? That toaster right over there. You know? That's why I've, you know how I've arrived? Six slices at once. <laughs> Eight different settings. And it's silver. You know, it's like, okay, whatever. But there, there are times when the things that we're buying really do have, it's like, it speaks more deeply about who we are to us. Not only does it make us happy, but it makes us proud. It makes us feel like, yeah, we've accomplished something. People are going to think I'm cool because I have that thing or you know, whatever it might be. And so consumers, kind of, we kind of rotate through these questions. And, and the thing is, all these questions all revolve around one thing, which is me. Am I happy with it? Do I like it? Does it do what I want it to do in the way that it should do it? Uh, what does it say about me? Me, 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 me. And the dangerous thing is when that moves from toasters to friendships or from toasters to Jesus, we have a big problem. Because, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm kind of preaching to the choir in a sense here, that you know that Jesus doesn't always do what you think he needs to do. If, that, if our questions are, you know, is, is he handling things the way that I think he should, he's going to break your heart. A lot of us live with the heartache of feeling like, 
like Jesus is not doing a very good job of running the universe. That we think he should do this instead of this, or should have handled this this way, or how could he let this happen, and where was he, and all this kind of stuff. And so we end up feeling like, I kind of wrote down some similar questions, is, is following Jesus doing what it's supposed to do? You ever feel like following after him is just not producing the results that you think that it should? I, I can relate to that. Is it worth the cost? You know, with a toaster, it's like, is it worth what I paid for it? With Jesus, sometimes, like, is it, is what, is his leadership of the world and my life and our church and however you want to, or your family or whatever you want to apply it to, is it worth the cost that we're having to pay right now? Um, are we happy? All kinds of unhappy people inside the church, outside the church. And then, does Jesus make me feel better about myself? I kind of put that one down in my notes here anyway. Of just, and I don't really, I don't, I don't ever think about it in that, those kinds of terms. But, but then when I think about why I'm resistant to confession at times or vulnerability at times and those kinds of things, it's sometimes because like when there's conviction, it kind of, it makes you feel bad, and we shouldn't have to feel bad because we're the customer, you know. We're the boss. My satisfaction is guaranteed. I want it my way. And so on. And so we see this tension between that kind of stuff, evaluating, following after Christ in those kinds of ways, a tension between that and Luke 9.23 about self-denial and obedience no matter the cost and imitation of Jesus. And then John 15 where he's saying it's not about consumption, it's about production. And so really, this whole sermon can come down to this, this basic thing. The difference between a consumer following after Christ and a producer following after Christ. Com- a completely different approach. Completely different. So, let's be challenged in this way. When it comes to following Christ, if we're called to produce... Let's think about it again. Look again at verse 5. Actually, look back and look, let's start in verse 1. Let's read it again. Let's read it again through the lens of are we, consum- are we consumers or are we producers? I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me does, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing." When Jesus calls us to a life of self-denial, we are removed from being the center of the world. It's no longer about our satisfaction. It's no longer about us being pleased. It's no longer about us being at the center of all those questions. Everything we do is now about the vine. 
the life of the branch is focused on the vine. Not even on the fruit. That text says that the vine dresser, okay, he says that that's the father. The father, he's concerned with the fruit. The branch is concerned with the vine. My younger brother, one time, he said, he said that most of us in this whole analogy are facing the wrong way. We get so consumed with, with the, the fruit or lack thereof and that kind of stuff when we really should be facing the other direction. So looking down the end of life, we need to be facing back toward our origins, which are in Christ. And so now we have a different set of questions that should revolve around. Let me offer some of these to you. So instead of, of really trying to figure out, is Jesus doing, is like following Jesus having the results it's supposed to? Is, this, is Christianity doing what it's supposed to do? Instead of asking that, you know what we need to be, just be asking ourselves all the time? Am I becoming like Jesus? Like, is that, is that happening for me? And if it's happening at a really slow rate, I have good news for you. Fruit grows really, really slowly. Isn't that awesome? I mean, we want efficiency. We want all that stuff. And we'll get to that in, in a week or two. But, but just for now, just, just rest in the fact that transformation into Jesus might take a little while from where you are and where I am. Maybe we have further to go than we think. If we are thinking that we're pretty awesome and this is, I'm like, I'm like three notches away from Christ-likeness, you know. Then may, maybe, maybe we need to slow down a little bit. Maybe some humility would show us that there, maybe, there, maybe there's a longer journey than we think. And Jesus is a lot more patient than we think he is. And perhaps he's not quite as uptight as we are about our uh, pace, all right? Another question we're asking is, is, is Jesus doing what I think he should do? You know, am I okay with, with his management style and how he's running the universe and making decisions? Or am I okay with how he's leading me and that kind of stuff? Instead of that, because that all, that, that all makes us the center of everything. Instead of us being the centerpiece, maybe we should ask, what's the, what's the will of the Father? What's the will of the Father? And are things working the way that he thinks they should? Jesus, when he's teaching us to pray, he says, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. That becomes, like when we're producers, that's what, that's what we're concerned with. Consumers are like, is it going the way I think it should? Producers are looking at the vine and saying like, hey, is this, are we, is this going Okay. What do, we, what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? How do you want our family to go about making this decision? How do you, how do you like, what should I do with your money that you've entrusted to me? How should I spend this, this you know, free time that I have? Is your will being carried out through our, our church and the, and the decisions that we're making? Yeah. Are we serving one another and loving one another as you loved us, you know, that we're how we're called to. How, how do I pray about ISIS? You know, how do I pray about the racial tensions in America and those kinds of things? How do I, how do I wrestle through uh, issues like Caitlyn Jenner and uh, all the marriage rights and all that kind of stuff that's going on? What do we do? How do we pray about this? How do we dialogue about this? How do we, how do we represent you well in going through this? 
producers are constantly looking at the vine saying, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? Consumers are like, well, I think this, and I think this, and I think this. There's a difference. I'm going to keep going before I get in trouble. Okay. Uh, Another one, is it worth the cost? Is it worth it to follow after Christ? Maybe we should be saying, uh, am I paying enough for this? Am I trying to lower the cost? Am I trying to compromise and kind of like negotiate my way through Luke 9.23? That's what a producer is looking at the vine saying, what more can I pay? What more can I pay? I need, tell me, show me. Lead me, guide me, correct me. Big difference. Another one is, you know, am I happy with this? Is, am I happy with Jesus? When we should be saying, producers would say, uh, is God happy? If God is pleased, then, hey, that's, that's where our satisfaction comes from. When our Father smiles upon us, done. That's it. So if our Father is pleased, and yet we are in tears... There are times when both of those things can be true. I know that's so weird. But the thing is, our Father can be pleased about His will being carried out. Our Father can be pleased about uh, knowing what's on the other side of our tears and what's on the new earth and all those kinds of things. He can be pleased and He can also be filled with tears at the same time. That as we're crying our way through something and we're shaking our fists at him, or so just swamped by the circumstances. He's there hurting with us. And in a way that he doesn't expect us to understand. He knows it's going to be okay. And we just have to trust him and let him love us. Consumers only think about themselves, and producers are learning to think differently. The last thing I wrote down, does following Jesus make me feel better about myself? Maybe, should we be, maybe we should be asking, just do I love him more and more and more and more? Because nothing, nothing will fulfill you like realizing how much your creator cares about you. Nothing. Nothing. The most fulfilling things on earth are but a shadow of that love. So consumers are concerned with themselves. Producers are concerned with the vine, with Jesus. And he is transforming us from being consumers into being producers. That's a part of the discipleship and the transformation that happens is you're becoming more and more and more and more Someone who is in that second group of questions of just, I'm just concerned with the Father. Just the Father, just the Father, just the Father. Whatever you want, whatever you want. That's who he's making you into. Let me say one last thing and then I'll close. It's a very, very important point. Consumers are concerned with intake only. Just input. What can I get? What can I get? What can I get? Producers are concerned with with both input and output. So when you're consuming, it's just all about you. But when you're producing, what you're taking in is directly tied to what's being produced. 
So there are certain countries that you go to where, um, and this may be TMI, but whatever, uh, where, you know, in certain parts of the world, the sewage systems are not as uh, organized and that kind of stuff as, as ours. And so sometimes groundwater is not very clean. And so some of the plants that are growing, they're soaking up that uh, unclean groundwater and they're producing fruit that the locals don't want to eat. Because they know, they know what it's soaking up, you know. And so they become very concerned with getting clean water to the plants that they're going to eat. That's very important to them. So in their production, they're very aware of what the plants are soaking up. So for a consumer, you just don't really care. It's just about you, whatever I want, whatever makes me happy, whatever meets my needs, all those kinds of things. But when we, want, when we want to produce the fruit of the Spirit, when we want to produce Christ-likeness, we're also concerned with what we're taking in. And here come spiritual disciplines. Here comes worship. Here comes uh, there's prayer, there's the Bible, there's all these things that we're taking in because they're directly tied to the fruit that's being produced. We cannot, we cannot split the two apart. So just because we are, are being made into producers doesn't mean we're no longer consuming. It just changes what we want to consume. Consumption becomes very important when we're wanting to produce Christ-likeness. And He is the source of all of it. And so when we pray, and when we are in the Word, and when we serve one another, and when we give, and when we, um, when we worship, when we do all these things, it's His goodness still flowing into our lives. And it produces the fruit that we desire. So at the end of all this, we have to ask ourselves some stuff. To what degree have I made following Jesus all about me? I mean, to what degree are we just self-centered consumers, even when it comes to following after Christ? If you've lost focus on producing the fruit that Christ has called you to, you just have to reconnect with the vine. It's so simple. That there isn't, you don't have to do these nine things before Jesus says, come on back. He just says, come to me, come to me. And so a reconnection relationally with the vine is what you do when you've completely lost focus and you've just made everything about you and you realize that you're a branch that's just hanging there and there's not fruit being produced. The vine dresser wants to tend to you. And so you let him. When you've been consumed with the wrong things or nothing at all or whatever... The same path forward is for you. It's reconnection to the vine. If if you are if you have been you've been paying attention to the vine, you've been growing, you've been making those those efforts, you can really sense that you know what he wants from you? He wants to like prune your life so that even more fruit can come. And so no matter where you are in this whole this whole deal, Everyone's solution is the same thing. It's always the vine. The vine, the vine, the vine. It's all about the vine. So I don't know how to help you connect with him again. I'm not sure what that looks like. And I think it's, it varies for different people. And so we did this last week, and we'll do it again tonight, of just kind of giving you a few options. Um, 
One option would be to stay where you are and just talk to the Lord. Um, We'll do some singing. So another option would be to sing. Make that maybe that's how you connect. Maybe you need to come forward and just kneel down here and pray. Maybe as a family, maybe you want to just grab someone to pray for you, that kind of stuff. This area down here will be open. Um, Jake Rush, one of our elders, he's going to be over here and they'll be. Um, he'll be serving communion. If that's a way that you want to reconnect to receive the grace of that, that Christ has to offer you in the body and blood that was poured out for you, and uh, you know you you'll step up there and you'll you'll break off the cracker and you'll dip it in the juice and you'll take it and he'll lead you through that. And, um, or maybe there's a mixture of those things. Whatever's going to help you connect, you and I know what happens when we're done here. There's a whole new group of distractions that come. And most of those are really, really awesome. Okay, So I'm not trying to, to demean that or anything. I'm saying let's steward well the few minutes we have left here together. Okay? All right, let's stand as the band comes back up. I'm going to pray for us, and Jake's going to come get in place. And then when it's time, you make a move. Lord Jesus. What a beautiful life you have called us to. That's not on us to bear fruit in our own lives. You just invite us to connect to you and to, in a very unhindered way, just have your life flowing into ours and through ours and producing love and joy and peace. And patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Teaching us to love one another and to love you more. Transforming us from being consumers into producers. People who love you with their heart and soul and mind and strength. Love their neighbor as themselves. And God, we need your help to do that. As awesome as we tend to think we are, we cannot produce fruit on our own. You tell us that. Apart from you, we can do none of this. But through you, from you, we can do all of it. So God, I just ask for your help in humbling ourselves to receive whatever it is you have for us. We can be prideful on our own, but we need your help in order to be humble. We need your help to receive encouragement, to receive correction, to receive a pruning of sorts. We need your help to hear your voice inviting us to kneel and pray, or to stand and sing, or to come to the table and receive. Um, So in these few minutes together, will you just help us and give us courage Help us to leave behind what our culture and our, um, our world around us has shaped in us. And help us to look the right way. Not to look around and not to look anywhere but at you, our true vine.